of the Grizz Den podcast. We are coming off of a Game 2 victory, 106-101, to 101, where John Morant has us questioning whether he is human. And I'm here joined by Brantley Davidson. Brantley, what's up? Yo, let's go. And John Kraft, he's back. I'm <laughs> back. <laughs> Ty better than ever. Ty is quoting himself and everything. Planning on joining. <laughs> He's having some internet issues. We Kraft noted recently that this is our second podcast in a row to record during a storm. So we're gonna hope that we don't have any issues along the way. Um, but guys, there's a lot that has been brewing since Tuesday night. We're coming at you a couple a couple nights after the victory, and I'm. I think it has a lot to do, obviously, with the two separate flagrant twos in the two separate games and the aftermath from that. But I think a lot of it, too, has to do with it's not normal to have this many days in between games. And it's all, it's all of a sudden like these two teams ha- are just stewing on their uh, building animosity for each other. So... Where should we start? I know Ja is like the story from the game, but where do you guys want to start the podcast? I kind of want to start with Ja. Let's start with Ja. Let's do it. He's got 47 points. I've got two stats to throw at you guys just to tee this discussion up, and then y'all tell me what you thought about the game. game. In the game two win, Ja Morant scored 15 of the Grizzlies' 17 points. In clutch time, which clutch time is defined as the last five minutes of a game, that's within five points. Morant outscored the Warriors by himself in that span, 15-12. to 12. That's good. And then he is the third player in NBA history to have multiple 45-point games in the playoffs before turning 23 years old. The other two were LeBron James and Kobe Bryant. Not terrible company to be in. Ja continued to set records. And uh, he was unbelievable for many reasons the other night. What stuck out the most about his performance? Just, I I mean, I think whenever we were starting, um, when we did our little Golden State preview a couple pods ago, uh, you know, I sort of simply, or at least on our text, was just like, this is a Jaw series, this is all about Jaw. And thus far, it sort of feels that way. You know, game one, we could have, we were a let miss jaw layup away. Game two, jaw did everything he had to do um, to get us that victory. And it's just as, as a Grizz fan who, you know, was adopted as an adopted Memphian and Grizzlies fan in the middle of the grit and grind era. Uh, didn't go through the pain and sufferings, you know, Will and Kraft, maybe y'all did in your Grizz fandom lore. So I just want to appreciate that um, with y'all. But like, we just, we, we've never had a player that you, that you ha- can count on and bank on to like be the potential, to be the best player on the court. That's what Jai is. Like, 
this series, last series, like you've got a guy who can consistently be the best and put us on his back and do things in a way that just, you know, A, is going to be highlight real worthy, but then, you know, like episodes, like things that we've just talked about all year, like shoe deals, all those types of things that comes into fruition in terms of like, yeah, like this is a guy that can win us a championship. It's not even just about getting to the next round. This is like, you know, yeah, we get to the next round and we even have a shot in that series. That's just different, man. It just is like, and you can see it in a game like last night. So this is the big picture stuff, which is, I always just tend to do. And then just the way that he, in the fourth quarter, just was able to do whatever he wanted to, I, you know, Golden State, I think had a poor within their sort of, you know, their championship aspirations or their championship pedigree, they were just really able to make some great adjustments on him in the fourth quarter. And Ja was still able to even adjust even better. I don't know. I mean, like I just, sorry, that was a cheap shot. Kerr, my bad. That was, that was a, that was a foul from behind the back. I'm really sorry that I did that. Well, he gave, he, 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 Ja was an equal opportunity driver. I mean, he pretty much, uh, drove, I think, and scored on four of the five uh, Warriors in that stretch. Um, mm. You know, including making pull. I like that. Very embarrassed mm. um, by somehow being somehow not only getting his ankles, but somehow that was a dirty play. The opposite it? direction. It was dirty. So, yes. So I mean, I think that's. I mean, what Brantley said to me uh, because I think on one of the podcasts before the you know back. In the Warriors, I was talking about, you know, the, the Grizzlies. We have not had a superstar, and talking about 2015, and being at that, and having, and being up to one, and and obviously Conley was injured. There's all sorts of stuff with that, but this feeling of uh, Seth Curry is the best player in the league, you know, or one of them, and we don't have that, and that's like the difference in these kind of series. And the fact that we, you know, the the great fact that one we have that guy now, he is the best player in the series. But that he's doing it against three Hall of Famers who broke my heart more than, uh, more more than a few times, uh, is is some really really fun stuff. Um, and then I, and I'll throw out just some some other stats that I just saw. Uh, hilariously enough, um, this is a tweet by I think Justin Lewis, but that John Morant himself retweeted, <laughs> which I found uh, very funny. But uh, that he's averaging 26 points, which is eight um, right now in the playoffs. Ten assists, 10.1 assists, which is first. So he's first in assists, by the way. So for all that all that we say about uh, his uh, going on the 15-0 run by himself, going on the 13-0 run by himself, um, he's leading the playoffs in assists right now. Uh, 8.6 rebounds, which is 13th, second among guards, and 1.9 steals, which is fourth. By the way, uh, Mr. Doesn't play any defense. Um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, what else you can say about Ja? He's he's incredible. And I do. And that was one thing that did stick out to the game being there. Uh, yeah, I think Ja has a lot of growth to make in defense. I think he's always going to struggle because of his frame. But uh, nobody can say he does not try. Like, he is not a Trey Young traffic cone. I mean, he is trying. And the fact, as much as his usage rate is on offense, the fact that how hard he plays on defense, especially, you know, in clutch situations. Uh, it make you know, makes me encouraged about the future with him too on that end of the court. So 
Yeah, and just to maybe wrap it, it's like name right now how many franchise right wouldn't would trade positions with us. How many wouldn't trade positions with us, I guess, in terms of like their star player? I think there's very few. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and, 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 and I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. And so that just puts things in perspective, I think, for for Grizz fans. I mean, it's just like, you know, you can watch the game and, and just watch him go off. And I don't know. I mean, there's a reason why that status cra- it sounds crazy. Because, uh, Will, that you read off, it's like being compared with LeBron and Kobe. And that's not the first stat that's been that way. Like, there's been others where you're like, hmm, okay. There's been some Jordan stats. Oh, there's and by the some, way, yeah. he, his teammates love him. Unlike yes. those two guys. He is the Oof. most loved teammate. And honestly, and he has the cool factor that Allen Iverson and Jordan had that those two guys, I mean, don't have. And again, obviously, I don't want to like blaspheme LeBron and Kobe here. But I mean, there is there is an amazing uh, kind of amalgam of qualities of past superstars and greats yeah. that Ja has. And he is nymph and he's a Memphis Grizzly and he also fits the Memphis Grizzlies and he seems to like being in Memphis. And it's hard to not be super excited about all those things. Will and Kraft, I'm curious since y- y- y'all were there, what, what was, what did the arena feel like in the moment? Like from your perspective when that's happening? Well, I think this goes along with what I was about to say, which is I don't know how many guys there are in the league right now that, you would trust more with the ball in a late game situation than John Morant. Like I can, I'm thinking about like, okay, Kevin Durant, probably, uh, just because of his ability and size to just shoot over anyone. Chris Paul, maybe he has the experience. He's shown he can do it. Um, I mean, I don't know how many more. I mean, I think Morant's top five. I'm sure I'm forgetting. Like probably. I think you put Luke. You put Luca in there. Luca's in there. Um, but I think the point is we have a top five clutch performer, um, on our team. And I think that you felt that there's a weird trust in the arena, at least what I felt too, at the end of the game where it's like, you could see that there was not one person that they could put on jaw, especially with, with Gary Payton, the second out where you felt like he couldn't get to his spot. And so if his floater is falling and he's shooting half decently from behind the line. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. I really don't. And you, I feel like that was the energy in the arena. The second thing I want to note is think about who he was playing with to end the game. Who are our starters? Who are our starters throughout the whole year? Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr., Steven Adams. You had a half of a Bain out there. He couldn't walk. Dylan Brooks had been thrown out of the game. Jaron Jackson Jr. had fouled out. Steven Adams wasn't on the court. It was him and four other guys who came off the bench during the entire year. And that's who he ended the game with. And still was able to get it done. Wow. Ty Smith has joined the chat. Just Ty. in time to end the whole jaw conversation. We have been, we have been hyping up jaw. Yeah. Can you hear us? I'm here. Are you there? It's pretty good. How are y'all? How's it going? <laughs> he was fine. You know, he was fine. Good. What'd you think about Ja? What'd you think about game two? 
Dude, he Dude, was that's phenomenal. That's the lamest take I've ever heard. He was the. Uh, he was the best player. Off on you, dude. He was the best player in the league last night, or two nights ago. Um, he had the best performance I've seen in the playoffs this year. Um, he played like a top five player when it mattered the most. And championship pedigree couldn't guard him. No one could. Um, yeah. That's just dirty, man. That is a dirty take. All right, let's get to let's get to the to the beef that's going on that's been stewing. We just gushed about Ja. Let's get to the Steve Kerr, Taylor Jenkins, uh, kind of wor- verbal sparring going on. First of all, can we get a consensus on the pod of whether we thought that a suspension was warranted or not? Because that's kind of the big debate right now. Do y'all feel like a suspension was warranted? I'll start with you, Kraft. Um, I went back and forth on this. Uh, I. Th- I guess if you want to do um, the precedent of Grayson Allen and Jokic and other people who had a flagrant two that led to a long injury from a player, that they got one game suspension. In that sense, I think uh, I think it was good. I could live with it. Um, I also knew at that point, you know, that the way Kerr was talking, the way the media was, the way that media was getting fed stuff, that you could tell the people, you know, that are clicked. Clinched in, uh, clicked in with the Warriors, that they were going to push the multiple games. Oh, it should even be multiple games, so that they knew that we they would get at least one. Um, and uh, so, in that sense, I mean, I definitely was a flagrant too, and I think it probably warranted a one-game suspension. Uh, I would have been upset if it was more than that, um, and I would have been understanding of Warriors fans and the Warriors being upset if he didn't get suspended a game. That's kind of where I am. Brantley, what do you think? Uh, I sort of just, I don't know if I would say warranted as much as I just sort of expected it after the campaign and when the comments were made on the precedents to Kraft's point on Grayson and Jokic, it just sort of felt like it was going to happen. And the injury, I think the the fact that the injury was real, um, I, I do think that matters a little bit in this in this perspective. From a, con- from a context thing, and yeah, so whatever. Yeah, I agree I with everything they just said. Um, it was going to be a suspension, uh, mainly because the injury. Kraft was spot on. Um, so, I knew it was coming. Yeah, I, I think it, a lot of people, a lot of people are, are getting upset with the Kerr comments and I I kind of look at it sort of as a he's playing the game off the court uh, which is you're setting up the officiating for the following games for the rest of the series you're going to basically protect your guys which Jenkins is doing too Um, he uh I don't know if y'all I, – I, I texted this to our group, but Vernon had Kevin Arnovitz on a few days ago on his pod, and Arnovitz was mentioning how Jenkins, when was he was asked about a question regarding, like, Ja missing a defensive assignment, was, like, immediately saying, like, Ja didn't miss an assignment. He, it wasn't his, it wasn't his, uh, his fault. Um, he played great for us. And it was like that was his default, even though when you watch it back, it kind of was <laughs> – Ja missing something. So it's like these coaches 
are protecting what's theirs. And I think it's just part of it. And I don't know. I think it's fun. I think it's it's great to have this uh, as part of the building rivalry in this matchup. But I don't necessarily take as much stock in it uh, as a real statement rather than just like you're playing the game. Yeah. I mean, maybe just to like, I'll paraphrase what sort of happened for, unless of, I mean, maybe there's some people who haven't really seen this, but after the game, right, Kerr's in his press conference, and as I, you know, I, he's, an, he's always sort of come, tried to play the emotional, empathetic card um, as a coach, whether it's like really true or not, I don't really know. Um, but, you know, he was empathizing with, with, Gary Payton and you know like his sort of um, like the rise that he's in the effort that I think he's had to work through to, to make it to a team where he's had a role and just how that stunk and and he called it a dirty play right I mean he's caught and caught he called it dirty multiple times at press in like the middle of like halftime and he called it dirty at the press conference and then you know he's come out today and I don't know the exact quote, maybe somebody can pull it up, but he's basically saying, you know, when he was asked like what the Warriors are known for, he was like, you know, all these things he listed off. And then at the end he was like, and, and not running up and fouling from behind, you know, like somebody read the real quote, but that, that's what's going he on. He said, yeah, he said, and you know, uh, he's like, just play hard, battle for every loose ball, battle for every rebound, complete every possession. And, you know, don't risk a guy's career if he's ahead of the play in transition. That's our mantra. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's just pretty unfair. Uh, I mean, I do think he's playing the game, but it, it's frustrating to me because uh, Dylan, and, and we, we all know, we, we have our love-hate opinions of Dylan. Um, and it's funny, actually, now that all Grizz fans have to defend Dylan yeah. uh, because half, half of them want to trade him. But, uh, but I just think, having watched him, He's never gone to flagrant two before, unlike certain players that play for the Warriors. Um, he, you know, this is the, his first time to do that. And and I think if you look at the play, it's very obvious that he was frustrated that he hadn't made shots. He wanted to make some great play, some great, you know, uh, chase down block, I think. And you saw that Jaw grabbed uh, Peyton a little bit. And I think that slowed him down just enough to really get, just hammered by Dylan. And now it's, I think it's Dylan's fault. You can't be that out of control on the basketball court um, to where you can't adapt to that. But I think Dylan was going for a block. I, you know, at least maybe a foul to keep him from scoring. There is no way that he was intended to, to hurt him. You could see immediately when it was over, Dylan walked over to him to see if he was okay before the ref kind of pushed him back. Um, And so to think that he's dirty, I just don't, I think it's frustrating to me because, and this is what Jenkins pushback today is i just don't think that's not been our rep that's not been dylan's rep um it's i'm sure he feels terrible about what happened um and so i think that's it's kind of unfair the dirty for for him to double down yeah. now like he got the one game suspension why is he now doubling down even more i don't and think. i and i guess you know maybe like kerr is this is just he really it's frustrating as fans because it's just stupid um but let me tell you, like, the two things I thought of today from a fan perspective that I just, like, freaking love. Great, Kerr. You're setting us up to be the tough team and you be the soft team. Love that shit. We're from Memphis. Take your soft Golden State, San Francisco BS back home. 
we're going to bring the toughness because we're from Memphis. That's what we want. That's the way we roll. So, cool. Second thing is, I believe in our team to be able to adjust to the refs who are going to call a tight game. That's fine. Nothing can be tighter than what we just dealt with with Minnesota, games one, two, and three, and four. All those games were tight. Actually, game four was called a little bit looser. But they were all stupid and tight at times. And we still won. So we can adjust. And guess what? We got the best player in the series. That's John Morant. <laughs> Suck it. Mike drop. Brantley just Mike just dropped his mic. Um, one thing that one thing that annoys me about the Kerr thing is that yeah. it's like look in the mirror for like a second, you know, like just acknowledge the hypocrisy that's coming out of your mouth. Um, Kerr's always come off to me as just incredibly arrogant and entitled. Um, he inherited one of the greatest teams of all time, the greatest two greatest shooters of all time. Like, just settle down a little bit, you know? That's just what's really frustrating to me is he's attacking a, a team of a bunch of 22-year-olds that are just scrapping and clawing in their first real playoff series. And they've won three championships, and they're supposed to be, again, the championship pedigree, the title-contending team, you know, just this awesome professional team. And Draymond literally got a flagrant two the game before. Um, and I think if, you know, people have made this comparison, but if – if Brandon Clark falls on his face and breaks his nose or something, like what's what's the narrative then? Um, just Kerr, just like, oh, that wasn't a code break. Of course not. He was just trying to, you know, make a play on the ball. He was just playing hard. Like I think just the hypocrisy um, is just what makes me so frustrated with the whole thing. And Kerr is an individual always. He's just he's incredibly arrogant. Always has been. It's really frustrating to watch. Like we were making our run last night in the fourth quarter. Jaw was literally unguardable, and they would call a timeout, and Kerr would just kind of do this little, like this little smirk on his face, and like start nodding, like, "Okay, we got this. Sure, all right, whatever. Let him do that." And I'm just like, "Dude, you are literally doing nothing." And John Morant just scored 15 points in a row to beat you, and you're supposed to be the title favorites. Like, come on, man. Make an, I mean, they make an adjustment, my guy. Like, you're getting worked by one dude. And you're just going to sit there and, like, grin and smirk and, like, nod on the bench? Man, it's so frustrating. I just – I hate – I just hate that. And, again, what we talked about the other night, it's just the narrative. Like, narratives get created and they just continue to get pushed, and that's all Kerr is doing. He is just pushing this narrative. And he's also contradicting himself because he was like, I don't know if it was – I don't know if it was intentional, but it was dirty. And Harrington said on their podcast, the Daily Memphian podcast, like, that's the same thing. Like being dirty is being, you know, doing something with intent. Like those, those go hand in hand. They're kind of inseparable. But Kerr is just doing this word salad to basically make it known that like Memphis is the dirty team. We're the righteous, good team. Like we are the ones that deserve to win. They don't. They're not good. It's just so frustrating that like, again, it's such a young team. And Kerr is just trying to, like, basically – that's why I loved what Jenkins said. He was like, to call our team dirty, like, that's just not anything we're about. We've never been about that. I love that he nipped it in the bud. I thought that was awesome. But just coming from Kerr is just is just awful. Like, it's just – and, like, Draymond is on your team, man. He's, like – he's gotten so many flagrant twos, so many dangerous plays. He's kicked Steven Adams in – a very unfortunate spot on purpose multiple times in the playoffs. Like, just look in the mirror for just a second. 
Be aware. A little self-awareness from from my guy, Kerr. How about what if what if in game five, when it comes back to the forum, regardless of like the game score, if somehow Kerr gets a technical foul for like arguing with the rest, that's going to be the loudest the forum is you know going to be in the playoffs. I would bet. Um, okay, hey, let's do uh, quickly. Let's do one point that isn't you know uh, jaw or you know this feud related that we noticed from game two. We'll go quick hitters. Each take a different point. And then we'll get to our mailbag questions, which some of you graciously submitted. Um, and we'll read them, go through a few of those, and then we'll uh, get us ready for game three. So, okay, first thing, I'll, I'll start. Okay. Um, Clay Love Thompson. It. Washed. Uh, I, I had, had the very good fortune of, of sitting fairly close in, in game two. And... He shot on our side of the court. Uh, he was five for nineteen and two for twelve from three. So like we saw a lot of shots from Clay. Man, they weren't close, and he just looked off. And I I don't know necessarily if he's. Uh, I mean, he could come out and shoot you know seventy percent from the three point line or something, and it wouldn't surprise me. But things are trending in the wrong direction for him, especially on the defensive end and with that said like he's going to continue to take shots and something just was off and so I'm really uh that was something that stood out and wasn't talked about in my opinion enough so that's that's mine I'll go uh so similarly uh them shooting poorly and this narrative that I'm hearing all over the place that 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 will improve and I just you know with shot quality it showed that really they probably only were expected to score make maybe one more three, maybe two, um, in the threes that they took because they were guarded because we guard well um, because we're a top five defense like them. We just also happen to have a top five offense unlike them, and uh, and and I just want to say like and I think like you were saying they you know people could shoot better, but maybe they they don't and I think. Uh, the Grizzlies get some credit for understanding the schemes, the defense, and, and having a game plan that says score a lot of points in the paint, Warriors. Um, but we're going to really guard your threes. And so that's that's my big takeaway is that and, – and I could <laughs> – all I have egg in my face if they come out with a tsunami of threes um, in game three or game four. But I actually expect for them to continue to um, to put up less than stellar numbers from three because I think that's what we're, we're trying to take away. I'll go. I'll, say, I'll let Hatchman close us. Uh, Zaire, man, he's not scared. I'm having the same feelings and emotions that I had with my boy Bane. Zaire, his his legs are about as big as Bane's <laughs> biceps. That's okay. We'll work on that. We'll hit the gym. We're drinking the water. They're smaller. But, man, he's not scared. He hit some big threes, even though they were open looks. He played great D. He, you know, he was out of position some, but he gives us he gives us another, like, you know, shooting, uh, run, you know, running the court option. And he, like, he's just not going to be scared of the moment. And, like, I'm not worried about him going on the road to Golden State and getting big minutes and maybe starting in Dylan's spot. Hello. Like, and I just, I think some of this is even, like, the coaching staff, like, committing to him during the regular season, really seeing what we had, seeing that we had something, and now that he's ready to step in. And I think he's a threat. And with Ja. 
um, and maybe with Bain's injury and with Dylan being out, like we need some real threats out there to take off ja, the pressure from Ja. We need the threats to actually hit some shots some. Um, Jaron's a threat and doesn't hit shots all the time, so that doesn't really work out. But Zaire, I think, you know, he hits at a decent enough clip as a rookie to where we can trust him, and I just love that he's not scared, and that just is so great for the future um, for the Grizz. So, Brantley, you, you, you snuck my point out. I just – Again, one of my favorite things that we do is text throughout all the games. And I, I love the receipts. At 9.03, I texted y'all, I feel some big shots from Z coming. That was about 15 minutes into the game, shortly after Dylan got hurt. The dude was just massive. And the narrative being pushed of all these rookies that were just like, you know, so great all season long. No one really expected much from Zaire, so of course he didn't get talked about because that's usually whatever your like preseason expectations are, whatever that narrative is, whatever you already have in the front of your mind, that's just what you're going to continue to think. Um, never forget when Kevin O'Connor said he'd rather have LaMelo over Ja after LaMelo played like maybe 25 games because it was just like, of course, it was like he had it in his head that LaMelo was better. He had nothing to go off of whatsoever. But he's like, yeah, I'll take the size and the passing ability and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, man, you look idiotic, and you get paid to talk about basketball. It's just wild to me. Um, but Zaire, was, he was the man. I will shout out Melton because he shot the ball poorly, but he had some extremely big defensive possessions. And people have noted this before, but he is similar to Jaron in the fact that when his shot's not falling, he just kind of like gets lost and doesn't really do much at all. And I felt like game two, he was locked in enough to play good defense. Those two blocks on Steph were both just awesome. Like that last block on Steph was so great. Um, Very active on defense. Didn't hurt you on offense too, which I think in that moment was honestly beneficial. Just give the ball to John. Just literally go sit in the stands. Like just get out of the way. Um, Dylan probably would have tried to find a way to hit some like contested 18-footer. Um, so Melton just stayed out of the way, did the things he can do, played within himself. And that honestly is just as big for him as it is like hitting shots. Um, so I'm going to shout out him too, cause we're going to need him down the stretch for sure. There you go. Yep. He had eight rebounds and five stocks. Unreal. Yeah. Real quick. I just want to say back up those, what y'all are saying. Um, one, uh, two points real quick. One is. Actually, I think Dylan being out actually helps both Zaire and Melton, who because I think both of them play better when they know they have minutes, when they know that they're playing. Um, so I'm hoping for that for game three. But then, and then secondly, uh, Will, you had asked earlier about the mood. I mean, uh, Brantley had asked about the mood in the building and stuff. And I would say that put back dunk by Zaire uh, was a huge moment after the war. It, it just felt like that was a time when the, the Memphis crowd was starting to get super nervous. Oh man, we're going down 0-2. Everybody's gone. And that, that put back dunk he had was a huge play, I think, just for momentum in, our, in the game, too. Uh, last, so not just the threes. Yeah, last note, game two, Tillman. He, he was back <laughs> for some reason. If you tell him it's game two. I mean, he played 13, 13 minutes, went three for four, had six rebounds, and, and had the highest plus minus on the team. Game two, Tillman on a Tuesday. Let's go, I mean, baby. Perfect. 
Um, all right, let's get to the mailbag. We had. Uh, we're these, just gonna. Hit- Will Will be honest? Are these just all your burner accounts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At Grizzfan nine zero one 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 two. At Grizz Grizzstery. <laughs> um, all right, we had some great questions come in. I'm gonna combine a few because we, they were the same. But uh, shout out to Shelby Hall, William Halliday, and friend of the pod, Jacob Kent. Uh, They were all asking about Steven Adams. And will Adams, now that he has been cleared from the protocols, he was in practice today, will Adams play a role in this series? I think so. I think so. And the reason I think so is because I think, Brantley, you might have made this point. Someone made this point either on one of our podcasts or one of the other billion Grizzly-related podcasts I've listened to in the last two days. But someone was like, pair him with Looney, pair him with Looney. And then someone was like, honestly, like, if Wiggins is on the floor, just let him guard Wiggins. Like, if you're, like make Wiggins beat you from three. Like, he's also shot an awful percentage this series. And if, like, Wiggins is going to beat you from three, so be it. Like, kind of give Wiggins the the Tony Allen treatment, you know, when yep. they had Bogut. Like, I think Adams brings a ton of value. Offensive rebounding, also setting really hard screens. Um, defensively, he does, too. It's going to even more so take away the paint, especially when we're funneling to them. Everyone's kind of mentioned the whole Jaron Fowles when he plays the four. Um I think he absolutely will have a role in the series, and I don't think it necessarily has to be only against yeah. Looney as well. Also, like if they're not going Looney, if they have to go Wiggins and then the quote unquote death lineup or whatever it is, but like they're not gonna have to they're not gonna be able to play that that lineup forty eight minutes if they have to bring off any other kind of like even Otto Porter, like he's not gonna beat you off the dribble, just contest the three and live yeah. with it, you know? So I think he can play. I for think sure. he can. The 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 Wiggins point was something I think we were texting about because I, I told myself I was going to go back and rewatch the highlights, at least on second chance. I feel like Ja was getting switched onto Wiggins a lot and we were okay with that switch, but, but totally. um, that's what also led to a lot of their second chance opportunities was Wiggins kind of coming in and skying over Ja and tipping the ball back and tipping it back out to Curry. Um, I, I know I at least noticed it about four or five times and I'm, I'm assuming it was more. So that's what makes me think that like, we're, I mean, we're going to live with Wiggins, I think hitting shots, um, for a period or trying to hit shots for a period of time, which makes me feel cool with putting Adams on him a little bit. It does potentially worry me in a pick and roll situation. Um, I'll be really curious to see what, um, championship pedigree coach Steve Kerr does in terms of running the pick and roll. They haven't done a whole lot of pick and roll options, particularly with Draymond, um, just kind of like um, hunting players. I can't remember to your point, Ty, like who was really saying this, but they the the uh, uh, Golden State has had a reluctance to like sort of hunt defensive players, um, opposing teams' defensive players in the pick and roll in the past. That's just something they've been really reluctant to do, you know, which is great for us because teams should be hunting Jaw. That's the easy way I think to wear him down. And, and maybe minimize his fourth quarter impact. And so, you know, that was the thing that eventually ran Adams off the court against the Timberwolves was that they were just hunting that pick and roll with Edwards and Towns all day, and it eventually made Adams useless because he couldn't rebound and he couldn't guard Edwards, and it got Edwards going, and that was all she wrote. So 
I think it's to me if they don't put Adams in the pick and roll situation, I don't care really who he guards as long as, long as it's not Steph or Poole. He can guard anybody else. I'd be fine guarding Clay. Just don't go for the pump fake. I mean, honestly, like I it, honestly, Clay is thing, slow yeah. enough and he shoots worse off the dribble. I'm fine with it. Just box out and get us some rebounds, please. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, he was a positive uh, when we played him the regular season. So there's that as opposed to the T-Wolves. Um, you know, he doesn't have a – and yet he just had a history of getting killed by Cat. Um, I don't think he has that history. Well, he has a history of actually getting literally um, physically attacked by Draymond, but he does not, uh, you know, have a history of uh, being a, a negative player. I think, I mean, it's really the math stuff, which is, I mean, we, we've we won the possession battle. Uh, we, we lost it in the game one. We won it as far as turnovers. We've been losing it as far as rebounds. Um, can we continue sort of, um, keeping them to that low three-point percentage um, with him on the court to add our rebounds. And I just think – and also, honestly, they'll get less points in the paint with him on there too. I just think that's – it's that math of seeing does his – does the points in the paint and the rebounding increase with him in a way that overcomes the potential for three-point shots. And I think that's the math we'll have to watch. But I think it's really matchup dependent and um, – and so, but I'm 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 excited just to have the option. We can throw him out there, uh, whether he starts or whether he comes in. I just love having the option um, because I think the Warriors are running out of ways to adapt um, to us, and I just love having more options. Yeah, for, us. for me, it all comes down to who are you pairing with him on offense, and y'all have alluded to this, but uh, I think it's very notable last game that. Uh, the Kyle BC lineup simply did not work. Not only did Kyle have a bad game overall, but it wasn't helped by the fact that you had a front court who couldn't shoot from outside the paint. And I think if you're going to play Adams, it really does have to be in a lineup where either like Dylan or Zaire is the four or Jaren's in at the four because he's got to be the only non-shooter. Uh, to have an actual offense that can effectively score because that's when the Warriors basically made their run again was when Kyle and BC were in the game and we had to make that adjustment and kind of go small to end the game. Uh, so it's going to be super interesting. I think there is a place, but we got to pick our spot. And it sort of feels like which that I think criteria is, that you're saying the only one non-shooter on the floor should just be the frame that we operate with the rest of the series. It's like... If it's Adams, yes. cool. If it's Kyle, cool. If it's BC, cool. Pick your poison and your lineup potential, but you can't put those guys on the court at the same time. It's it's bad. Yep. Yeah, and Dylan being out game three is going to hurt that because, again, that gives us um, a guy who actually has to be um, guarded, um, even if he hadn't shot well this series. But um, So it'll be interesting to see game three how much. I, I, would, I would guess he's going to get used more. Uh, later on in the series, game three, he might less because of the issue you are talking about and not having Dylan um, as a shooter out there. Shout out to William Pringle. He asked us about kind of this whole feud going on with the Kerr Jenkins situation, which we addressed at the top, but I wanted to at least acknowledge that he asked about it. Um, Austin Rayner uh, didn't send in quite a question, but had some other kind of gripes with how Twitter, especially Warriors Twitter, is reacting. To us, and he, he noted a couple of things that we haven't said yet, which is there's this kind of thing going around about like 
the intentionality behind hurting GP2, and he's making the point like, why would we? Why would we pick GP out of everybody to intentionally hurt? He literally, uh, he was like the one defender who could quote unquote guard Ja, and yet Ja scored 34 in game one. So I think we would pick someone better. And then there's another thing about like slowing down the play and watching Ja palm the ball and carry the ball. And so, uh, oh, that's the Austin, worst. The Austin dumbest. just wants to express that he's sick of it. Um, so we hear you, Rainer. Uh, we hear you. Um, it's gonna get called next see. game. It's gonna get called next game because the NBA came out and said they missed one, so it's gonna get called, and it's gonna be that plus just the tight whistle. I'm just preparing everyone's hearts and souls for that in Game Three early on. Yeah, yeah. but I, I, all this though is the Warrior fan. I mean, the Warrior fans are scared. It's what I said before the series. That it's so true. Real They're Warrior terrified. Fans, the bloggers, they know we are a terrible matchup for them. They saw, they they felt this coming. Um, the national media sort of masked this uh, from, but but the real warrior fans and, and the the diehards, they know they did not want to play us. They were rooting for the T wolves like crazy in that first round. So, uh, we'll end with a couple from Morgan Ivy. Uh, one was does Dylan get his hair redone before every single game? I don't know if we're qualified to answer that question. Uh, it certainly looks like it to me. Um, I, it does. It, he's had a very interesting, uh, very interesting hair. Are the antennas the getting, past, are they like, getting year. longer? Like, did the, is there eventually, like, they go down to where peripheral vision. Okay. He's changed that. No more, no more antennas. I think it just all goes back now. Hey, listen. To you know, as someone who just made it a this fairly is true, drastic Chandler, hair Chandler decision Smith. a few days ago, you know, sometimes you just Tycoon. you know. I was really nervous before game two, and I was like, "What can I do to take my mind off this? I'll just go buzz my head." And that's what I did, and, it, and you know, it, was, it helped. So maybe Dylan's just trying to take his mind off things. And every NBA team needs one crazy guy, and Dylan is just At leaning least. in. Uh, unfortunately, we will not see the Game 3 Dylan hairstyle, but we will keep keep tabs. Can I, can I ask a um, question? Because it feels like you're about to close. I don't want to close without at least like saying, like, how do we win? What do we do to win Game 3? I'd Okay, so actually, okay. I was getting yeah, yeah. That's that's the next that's the next point. Um, we had a couple questions uh, that were game three okay, related okay, okay, as well, but we'll just get Cut into it here. No, 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 no. We're gonna get into it. Um, game three. And sorry if we didn't get to your question. Keep asking. We'll we'll revisit a few. But let's talk about keys to game three without Dylan. Uh, let's spend a few minutes here to close it out, guys. What are we number one looking for uh, in Golden State now? in terms of the matchup, how it's going to shift, how it's going to adjust, and then uh, give your prediction after you give uh, your analysis here. I'll start. This is because I'm going to hopefully, there's going to be more stuff that probably you'll go into so much more detail on both of you. I just am going to anticipate the Warriors to start out hot. They're, they're going to be fired up. You know, they've got this championship pedigree coming in. They're going to be so mad about all this dirtiness. And, um, you know, Golden State, 
they're San Francisco is going to be so excited and just I don't know. I was trying to come up with something funny to say there and I couldn't. But I just I think if we kind of weather that initial storm like we've done, that's just sort of what I'm expecting to happen. Um, and just no one can get into some stupid foul trouble. Like we really need. We I almost just want to start Adams just in hopes that Jaron doesn't get into foul trouble because he tends to like play a different style of defense and be a little bit more relaxed, I think, whenever he's playing alongside of Adams. Maybe just put him on Wiggins to start or something. Um, that's that's sort of what I'm just sort of anticipating to happen to start. Not a key, but just a, what I think will happen. No, I'm – I'm I'm piggybacking off of that. I think it wouldn't surprise me if they come out and it's like 12-2 in the first like three and a half minutes of the game. Um, I think two things are kind of working in our favor. I think one is that I think we have extreme confidence that we can beat them. Um, I think as this play as these playoffs go along, we are like slowly but surely kind of realizing like we're literally never out of anything. Um, I think if we can keep our composure and stay disciplined, and I think that's one of Jenkins's biggest strengths is keeping our team reined in during the floods, during the, the runs that teams go on. I think he's awesome about that. Um, and I, like, I know y'all probably talked about this before I jumped on. I just think Ja, like, steps on the floor and just sizes up everyone is like, I'm better than you, I'm better than you, I'm better than you, I'm better than you. I think at the end of the day, like, he's just, like, licking his chops. Cannot wait. I think, like, I think he loves Steph. Clearly, he said that so many times. I think they actually probably have a relationship with each other, it seems like. Like, they seem pretty friendly in, like, a competitive way. But I just guarantee you he is like, I cannot wait to come at your throat every chance I get. And I think on the road, clearly Bain is a different player too. I just think we're going to like welcome the environment and just like can't wait. It just reminds me of the Lakers game in Staples and like everyone's quoted our like coming out party when Bain was like, we're not afraid of those footsteps. I can just see us like walking up to Chase Center just with that same mentality and just, like, bring it. Like, whatever you have, whatever you want to do, like, we're ready, let's do it. I'm not saying we win the game, but I don't think we fold. I, do. I mean, we may lose by double digits because they shoot 60% from three, but I think we continue to fight the whole way. I think a close game would be very would be a huge momentum for us. So, um, the, one, the one thing that I'm um, – the I'm more, like, so – Y'all coming, I'm looking for, what I'm interested in is we won the last game, and I think we figured out sort of how we want to defend them. And and, and I'm interested to know if Kerr is going to stay stubborn and say, we're going to run our cool um, motion offense, everybody eats, uh, you know, we're going to do that because we're at home and we're the Warriors and we're the better team. Um, we're going to play, and then on defense, we're going to play jaw. Uh, straight up, we're going to do our man-to-man. We're not going to try to blitz him. Um, I'm interested to see what's going to happen there. My assumption is that I think he is going to stay stubborn to his offense and not run pick-and-rolls at Jaw. Um, but I think he, they are going to try to blitz Jaw more. And so I want to see if Bain is, is Bain healthy. 
is he punishing for that? Is Zaire, is Melton, um, you know, or, you know, basically we're making rim runs or how are we dealing with uh, sort of jaw, them trying to blitz jaw on defense. So I'll be interested to see if they do that. Um, but I, but overall, I agree with Ty. I, th- I think we're going to, I, I, it could be a tsunami. I think we're going to keep it close. And I think even if we get one in the first half, I think we're going to come back. Um, I don't think we're scared. We beat them in the play-in game last year, um, basically a game seven. We, we've already beaten them. Um, and the only difference is they now have a washed guy that they think is still a Hall of Famer um, in Clay Thompson. And, I, you know, I, so I expect us to have a close, close game. I think it's going to be a – we're going to all be tense, and I'm hoping we come out on top. But I think it's going to be another close win-loss like the other two games. I'm a little worried. Um, I think that I I am going to be frustrated if this is the case, but I have this gut feeling that we're going to see officiating play a bigger part than we want it to play in Game 3. Um, I think with all the uh, off-court stuff, with all the with the recency bias of of sort of the Dylan play in mind, and then also I think there's going to be this uh, whether it's actually the case or not. I think there's just going to be this default for whoever's officiating to feel like they need to control the game because I could see it continue continuing to be uh, chippy, especially if Draymond's uh, out there and has anything to do with it. Uh, and so I'm nervous that we're going to have a, you know, a variance not in our favor in terms of fouls. Now, I do think that we are built to weather that because of our depth. Um, I think that Adams could very well play a part, whether it's, it's as a result of foul trouble to other bigs or not. I think that he's now a guy at our disposal. Um, that we can at least bring in and help. He can play spot minutes. Um, Tyus still hasn't looked uh, like Tyus yet. And as we mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, Kyle had probably the worst game that I've seen him play in a long time. So, like, I think there's still areas that we can improve and adjust from, which we alluded to last time. They just don't have, they've lost their, now they only have five guys. They used to have five and a half. Now they only have five. Uh, and so can can we still force the issue? Can we use the officiating to our advantage, even though I think it's going to be a, a very um, nerve-wracking first quarter when we look up? Uh, so I could see it being close, but I'm still probably going to predict a loss, to be honest. But I don't think – I think that game, it's going to be the same thing. Like game four is going to be up for grabs because I, I could see them having sort of a confidence – and uh, they're going to take their foot off the gas again. After if they if we win Game Three, like all bets are off at that point. Like I'm, I'm feeling really good about the series if we win Game Three. So, and I, the other thing that's just to your point on the five and a half thing, some people have speculated like who are they going to bring in to try to like change it up on Ja, and like I think we've been sort of texting like, will they try that with Kaminga? Can Kaminga do it? And, like, Kaminga wasn't really used that way that much this season. I mean, he did play some, but he didn't – he wasn't dependent on, like, we depended on Zaire. So you're about to throw a rookie guarding the best player in the world right now 
and try to and ask him to get stops in like some high intensity environments. I just don't know how if that's a real thing that they try. I don't know how much success is going to be there. I mean, maybe it's Wiggins, but Wiggins didn't do a great job um, on Jai either. So that, that's another thing that I've just kind of been thinking through too, Will, to your point on like the foul trouble thing. I do think that that could impact them as well, at least on the Draymond side of things. So we might start to see some guys like Bielitsa, um and Looney get more minutes just because if we're getting in foul trouble, I, I do think they're going to call it tight both ways because Draymond has had a flagrant two as well in this series. And they should. They should call it. It may just be a sort of mucky, slow first half before the before Adam Silver calls into the league office and says, okay, let these guys play in the second half. Oh, well, you've heard but we're getting from a dub. We're winning tonight. I believe it. We're winning. That's okay. That's what I was gonna say. Is it crazy no, to think winning. that I that I that I think we we're may winning. win? Is it just absolutely I love insane? The You're making me feel better, um, even though I'm gonna stick to my prediction. I, we got twelve. This is the swing. I just think the world is on the like. Everyone's like, oh, of course, game three, the Warriors are gonna win. Like. They they should be up 2-0. They're definitely winning. Like, first game back home, after all this, Kerr's been chirping. They've all been saying this thing. Like, of course the Warriors are going to win. But, like, everyone's predicting them to win. But, like, the line is, like, seven and a half same, right now. Like, same game everyone's parlay, predicting them to win. And I just – I wouldn't write us off. Baines over under is, like, 14 points or 13 and a half points. Slam it. Same game parlay. $3 bet. You got it. <laughs> betting tips let's Fantastic. go well Consult uh gambler and gambling advice that's Sorry. right follow <laughs> at brantley d um for more for more picks uh guys this has been a lot of fun we've covered all angles of game two uh answered some questions gave our predictions for game three uh we still have like two full days until uh game three which is just nuts but um, we'll we'll be back with you guys um, here soon after that game. And for Brantley, for Ty, for Kraft, I'm Will. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>